Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, with my certifiable co-host, oh, Donna Lee. Certifiable? Uncertifiable. I am an honorary board certified co-host. Thank you. And apparently someone who likes to give awards for podcasts and radio shows. We have an award-winning podcast. That Given is by you, I think. It, it, it is legit. I have the award. It's from sixth grade band camp. <laughs> you know, those band camp awards you got to watch out for. <laughs> it was very innocent back then in the, in the 80s, 90s, yeah. 2000s. Yeah. <laughs> You know what's interesting? I'm incredibly good looking. You are. Like really good. Your radio like, voice like is super hot. My my wife tells me sometimes that I'm good looking. Sometimes. And my mother maybe. Right? <laughs> I tell you all the time when I want something. So what's interesting is I've never really had to consider any kind of cosmetic procedure to look better. There's nothing we can improve. No, I don't think so. I mean maybe I would perfection. Need to- Really, maybe a blemish somewhere just so that you could see the rest of the perfection. Not even that. And this town is very interesting, too, because I think mm-hmm. there's a lot of good-looking guys in this town. Yeah, it's Austin. It's the best city in the world to be single, apparently. And, and when you're wearing those hipster shorts that were made for girls, you have to have really nice, tight hips, too. And a, and a great beard. And a great beard transplant. Hey, we have a special guest that can We do have a special guest today. We have a special <laughs> guest today. Really, one of my very best friends in this town uh, is a plastic surgeon. I'd like to welcome Aisha White to the show. Oh. Oh, hello. Welcome. Uh, Dr. White is a plastic surgeon here in the Austin area. Uh, What is the name of your practice and how do people get a hold of you just so for later? Sure. So my practice is Quintessence Plastic Surgery. Um, and you can reach us either by calling uh, 512-777-2969 or at the web address, which is qpsatx.com. Well, that's awesome. And we'll, we'll, we'll uh, bring that up again later. So you know what I want to talk to you about, Aisha, is I want to talk to you about gynecomastia today. Because a lot of men come to see me for hormonal issues. And I see a lot of guys, let's say between the age of 20 and 30. And when I'm doing their physical exam, like it, it, it's really obvious to me that they have gynecomastia. And a lot of them don't even know it. And they don't know the difference between fat breasts and gynecomastia and what can be done about it and whether insurance covers it. And I I just thought it was a real niche field. And I thought that it would be awesome if you and I could talk about uh, that as part of an overall idea of what guys get nowadays in terms of cosmetic procedures. Sure, sure. Well, uh, so when, when, uh, how do you define gynecomastia? For me, gynecomastia is excess breast tissue that's developed on a man. And so that is, as you pointed out, different from just excess fat in that area that could be from global obesity or increase in weight. They're... Surprisingly that these guys don't know because a guy really does know what's a breast and what's fat. Yes, and, and <laughs> For, and, for, and for true gynecomastia, often you will have someone who is not overweight or definitely, if they're overweight, they're by no means obese. And the tissue is Firmer. firm, exactly, and it Supple. is shaped like a breast. And sometimes there's like a like a nipple that's a little nipplier. Right. There can be a little <laughs> there can be a little nodule, a little nodule that is palpable underneath the nipple um that can be evident on exam. Is yeah. That a, is that a medical term? Nipplier? <laughs> nipplier. Nip, nipplier. Nip, nipplier. <laughs> Continue. But I mean because those men when I notice them they have a bigger areola, mm-hmm. uh, a, a longer nipple, mm-hmm. and bigger breast tissue. And right. sometimes you look at them and you go, if I didn't know what your face looked like, I think that you this is a girl's breast. I could see 
see why you would say that. Yes. <laughs> you know, for us, it certainly can cause self-esteem issues. Oh, absolutely. And I know, uh, you know, when I was in school, we never talked about it, but I find an underlying hormonal issue in a substantial portion of them. Absolutely. Elevated estrogen levels, low testosterone levels, a lot of times they're associated with high prolactin levels and including low sex drive and ED, like all this kind of comes together. Sure, absolutely. And it makes sense. So, you know, one of the interesting things about gynecomastia is that men or males can see it at various points in their lives. So there can be gynecomastia in infants shortly after birth because of related to hormone levels with mom. Um, The another common time that you'll see it, I do see a lot of adolescent boys in my office who's moms will bring them to be evaluated for gynecomastia because like you said they're changing in gym class other people notice it they're being teased about it and then again you can get that peak again with hormonal changes later in life so hormonal changes is a big cause for that in addition to as you well know medications and some other things that's good to note because that's where we come across a lot of it the common medications that we see develop uh, gynecomastia are going to be casodex for people who are taking it for advanced prostate cancer and finasteride. I see it in finasteride patients. So those of you that are using Propecia uh, to get hair growth, finasteride for prostate stuff. If you've been listening to this show, you know how much I really dislike finasteride as a medication for a number of issues. Uh, so including, 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 including growing hair, you might grow something else too. So who, who should see a plastic surgeon? When should they see him? And what could they expect in terms of treatment? I think anyone who's concerned about it um, should see a plastic surgeon um, to be evaluated. You know, I would say most likely when people present with something like that, it is going to be gynecomastia if they're concerned about having excess breast tissue. Some people will present because they feel the the nodule that we spoke about, and uh-huh. that is something that should be looked into too because breast cancer can occur in men. It's rare, but that is something that could be concerning, particularly if you have a palpable mass or that nodule, but it usually feels quite different from a breast cancer. In terms of treatment options, those are usually tailored to the patient. So if you have excess tissue, but you don't have a lot of excess skin, or as you mentioned, you don't have a significantly enlarged Uh, areola, then liposuction is probably going to be fine for that. The tissue will be debulked because breast tissue, uh, even in women, breast tissue is very similar in consistency to fat. And so that's why it can be removed with liposuction. If for some reason the tissue is, is extremely firm or if there's extra skin or large areola, then we may actually have to do an excisional procedure where you're cutting out skin in addition to the tissue. And of course, the downside of that is that there will be more scars, but sometimes that's necessary to get a good result. Is there an age at which you wouldn't do kind of a more invasive type thing and kind of see if age-related things kind of sort itself out? Right. I mean, for sure for the adolescents. There are very few adolescents who I operate on. The parents are often very anxious, but, you know, that will usually resolve. Um, I think the other thing that's important to your point about having hormone levels and other things evaluated, when people see a plastic surgeon or anyone for gynecomastia, there should be a thorough medical workup done in advance. I mean, there are lots of things that could lead to hormonal changes, whether it's stages in life, medication, testicular tumors. So marijuana is something that can cause gynecomastia. So going through sort of a thorough um, medical evaluation. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was thinking about Austin's people smoking pot. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
And so, yeah, so you want to you wanna be able to look and see if you can identify the cause mm-hmm. for the gynecomastia because maybe getting rid of whatever's causing it would cause everything to resolve without requiring any surgery. So uh, on this show, we try to be really upfront about costs and what is covered. Uh, is gynecomastia generally considered a cosmetic thing, or is it covered by insurance in some cases? So it is. I, I think historically it was not. So I think there was absolutely a time where gynecomastia could be covered under insurance. That's not something that we've seen in our practice. I recently actually had a patient who is required to be on several medications for medical conditions that he has, and that's resulting in the gynecomastia. And that's a perfect example of a medical cause that can't be reversed because of the need for treatment for the other issues, um, but insurance would not cover it. And as a general rule, what would you say the cost of uh, liposuction for gynecomastia might run someone? So I would say probably somewhere between maybe three to $5,000. Okay, well, that seems a lot more reasonable than I thought it was going to cost. And what, what, what about uh, if they needed something like a, like a reconstruction with a breast reduction? That would, if it's non-cancer related, so usually when we use the term reconstruction, we're mostly talking about cancer. Okay. So if it's just a reconstruction related to the gynecomastia, something cosmetic, it's probably going to be on the higher end of that scale versus something that's purely liposuction would be on the lower end. If someone did require a true reconstruction related to a breast cancer, then of course that absolutely would be covered under insurance. Uh Uh-huh. And if they're just going to get it reduced because of gynecomastia. Right. Then it's going to be out of pocket. What do you think it's going to cost? Like eight to ten thousand dollars or fifteen to twenty thousand dollars? No, I would say it'd be probably somewhere between, you know, five to eight. Okay. And I think it's important for just people to know, you know, whether they're listening on the radio live today or whether they're, you know, listening to the podcast, kind of when you have a medical condition, sometimes you think it's so insurmountable to get it fixed. Right. Mm-hmm. Like $100,000. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, you hear it all the time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, people just feel like uh, the cost is going to be so oppressive that they can't even uh, fathom it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, uh, you know, uh, to get uh, this kind of condition that really affects your self-esteem, really to get evaluated properly diagnostically is something that I think people could afford. Absolutely. Well, uh, thank you for joining us, uh, Dr. White. Why don't you tell people how to get a hold of your practice? Um, You can reach us at qpsatx.com online or give us a call at 512-777-2969. All right. Well, Don, I'm not going to make you give our call out information. Well, I can't, but I like that we use the word nipplier (laughs) and that if you smoke pot, you might grow boobs. We'll be right back. The Armor Men's Health Hour will be right back. If you have questions for Dr. Mystery, email him at armormenshealth at gmail.com. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour with Dr. Mystery and Donna Lee. Welcome back to the Armor Men's Health Hour. I'm Dr. Mystery, your host, here as always with my board certified mm-hmm. or my certifiable co-host. Mm, I like board certified co-host better. <laughs> Donna Lee. That's right, because you're a board certified urologist, so you needed somebody fancy sitting next to you here. <laughs> well, you know what it's time for? Is it time for? One of our favorite segments. That's what she said. That's what she said. That's right. <laughs> uh, we're joined again by one of my favorite doctors on earth, Dr. Diana Aww. Wing with Austin Welcome. Area OB-GYN. Really one of my favorite ones ever since I started practicing here. Uh, and I've, I've known you even when you were a resident, Diana. Thanks a lot for joining us today. Yes, thank you for inviting me again. You went to Westlake High School, huh? Yes. And then you went to UT. Yes. And then you like left for just like a very, very brief time and went to Galveston. Well, I mean, who can leave Austin, Texas, right? You're, so, you're living the dream. 
I living the dream. You know, I did two years in Galveston. We were so lucky they did rotations in Austin. So then, oh, I, so you were oh, back oh, even nice. for those. I I was back quickly and did two more years of my clinicals here. It was like here. a hurricane during there that time, wasn't there? That made you guys come here. Um, no, that was after me, but there have been several hurricanes there. Yeah, that, that mm. place is a Whip. hurricane Yes, <laughs> Hurricane Alley. Uh, a lot of people may not know, but OB-GYNs are one of the most, like, their, their clinic is one of the craziest places. So I see about 28 to 32 patients in a standard day. How many do you see in your standard day? Well, I think, you know, it can range from 25 to 60 for Every different type of doctor. Yeah. I mean, and I know you're seeing 60 patients. And and those aren't easy patients. I mean, those are women that are pregnant (laughs) and worried about being pregnant having all sorts of trouble. So I really take my hat off to you. You you guys are amazing in terms of efficiency. And and you you do such a great job. And your patients are always so happy with you. So Thank you. You know, in, in our show, we talk a lot about men's health issues. But you're here to help men understand something about their their. They're women's. Yes. I thought today we'd talk about menopause. You and I talked earlier from a evolutionary sense, this idea that when our bodies are done preparing to have babies, like they really betray us and shut down. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's actually devastating. Maybe, maybe you could talk to us about what's happening kind of physiologically, you know, just kind mm. of hormonally on the onset of menopause and then what are some of the early signs of menopause and what can you expect as you go through it? Because I think that a lot of women have communicated to, to, to their, their husbands that menopause is a short time. Like like menopause is like this four-month period mm-hmm. when really it's forever. It's, it's forever. Yeah, I mean, yes. menopause is a state that you're in forever after you started. Right. So, so go ahead. You know, everyone goes through a little bit differently and some women have more or less symptoms than others. But the idea behind it is our procreation time for women ends during menopause because the hormones that are made in the ovary start diminishing. And those hormones include testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, and the egg follicles start shrinking. And therefore, you know, your body's saying, hey, now it's over. There's no more time for procreation. And this this age of menopause can range from, for some people, very early, even in their late 30s, if they have premature ovarian failure. You know, on average, it's around 51 in the United States when most people go through. So that means Half of us are going through in our mid-40s, late-40s, and then in the mid-50s or late-50s. And so some common things, so there's, there's, this, there's this phenomenon that people kind of consider perimenopause or mm-hmm. premenopause. Mm-hmm. What are some symptoms that people are going to have during premenopause? Right, so that's a great question. You know, premenopause is when a woman may still be having periods and she may still be ovulating, but maybe very erratically and very irregularly. And therefore, they're already starting to experience the symptoms of decreased hormones. And those symptoms could be emotional. You might notice more anxiety, irritability, maybe more short-tempered. Oh, um, that's what I'm going through. <laughs> wow. Um, I, lost a lib- right, I lost my libido a few years ago. Could my wife have been in premenopause yes. since we got married? After your six oh children? Goodness. Yes. <laughs> so emotionally, you'll notice a change and also difficulty sleeping. Um, a lot of women will experience that. A lot of times you'll hear women say, gosh, I feel like I'm not remembering things as well. And they're like, I'm aging. And the aging isn't the literal aging. It's the decrease of their hormones. And so therefore... They'll have um, skin and hair changes. They'll start having some different weight distribution, things like that. Right. right? And also bone loss, starting of 
the risk for osteoporosis. And then, like you said, Donna, decreased libido, your testosterone is lower. And your skin actually gets more atrophy. So when estrogen is decreased in our bodies, you know, estrogen plumps up the cells in our vagina and in our skin. All these, um, these cells are starting to shrink down. So your skin actually gets pretty fragile. And so intercourse can be a lot more difficult in menopause just because the vaginal tissue is so thin and so fragile. How long can premenopause or perimenopause last? So like we talked about before, it's so different for each woman, but it can be up to seven years. Wow. And so oh. it can be a very hard, sufferable time for mm-hmm. women and their partners who don't who may not understand mm-hmm. they're going through this life change. And they may understand, but they may not understand physiologically how, how hard it is for the female to go through this part. And I think it's mm-hmm. important for women and men to understand that if you're interested in starting hormone replacement therapy, which we'll talk about perhaps in a future segment, um, you can do that during the premenopause stage. Yes, you, you absolutely. You don't have to stop menstruating. Absolutely. So I tell my patients, hey, just because our bodies or nature has told us, you know, you're not really needed anymore because you are not a procreation body now. It doesn't mean you're dead. And women are now living for much longer but part of that is they have to be living in a pleasurable state and they have to enjoy their life. And And women are so active now in their careers and exercise and just the activities they do every day that they can't just deteriorate. And so hormone replacement therapy is something really important. I think any woman who's exhibiting any symptoms of perimenopause that they really need to talk to their gynecologist about because they don't need to suffer that long, mm-hmm. you know, to be optimally efficient in their life and enjoying their life to their maximum. And menopause is defined as when your menses stop. Yes. Uh, yeah. Menses stops for six months to a year. It's considered you've done, you're, you're in menopause. The period before that, the perimenopause, some women are still having periods. They may not be very regular. They will start spreading out. They may be very erratic, very... Um, spaced out and that's when they come see their gynecologist usually like I'm experiencing these irregular periods what's what's going on with me yeah and I, I think that although uh, every woman as she ages is, is expected to go through this stage mm-hmm. uh, it's been given a lot of euphemisms you know like somehow this idea that you're kind of evolving to the next stage of your life which is absolutely true but um, we want to help you know women and and their husbands go through this change in a way that allows them to retain their functionality and to feel good. Exactly. And um, so I think hot flashes is one of the things that you didn't mention. Mm-hmm. Maybe you could help men understand what is a hot flash? What is it? What, and, and is it just when your wife like is hot at night? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's also in a symptom of decreased estrogen. So a lot of women will feel the sudden surge of, of a deep, um, hot feeling in their bodies, and it's very uncomfortable for them. It is uh, sometimes so uncomfortable to a point that they can't function normally, and some people can't do their work as well, and they don't want to go to work. Or and oh, it can good. be very There's often. No to get yeah, out of work. <laughs> no. I'm having a hot flash. I can't come today. Flash. I mean, ultimately, women go through so many things when they're going through this perimenopause towards menopause state, and it's a miracle they still function so well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that uh, all, all those, some, <laughs> so some of the more challenging symptoms, like the hot flashes may go away, but in some people it, it doesn't go away. Right. But the other symptoms are hard too. I mean, think about it. Every part of her body is being affected. Her brain, you know, 
cloudiness, fogginess in memory, not feeling as sharp, difficulty sleeping, feeling emotionally not happy and irritable, all these little things. And not sexual. Not sexual, not um, mm-hmm. not desiring intercourse. Mm-hmm. or They just, um, there's so many things going on. And then physically, you know, bone loss, skin loss. I mean, the and skin tone loss. out of their control. Out of their mm-hmm. control. And it is so probably most one of the most scary things that we know is going to happen. And we're <laughs> watching for it. And, you know, part of my job is to make sure everyone gets transitioned in a state where they're not suffering so much and they're still, you know, at their peak level performance in their life. Well, that's awesome. Well, Diana, thank you so much for helping us men understand what women are going through. Right. And (laughs) to uh, feel more compassionate. Yes. Through that, through that time period. It's not their fault. Right. That's right. We're not being bitches. We're going through no reason. Yes. Yes, ma'am. We're going through it. Well, thanks a lot for joining us for another great. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Donna Waters, tell people how to get a hold of us or ask questions to Dr. Wang if they ever have it. That's right. If you have questions for Dr. Wang or Dr. Mystery, you can email us at armormenshealth at gmail.com. That's armormenshealth at gmail.com. Give us a call during the week at 512-238-0762. And we will be right back after these messages. Dr. Mystery wants to hear from you. Email questions to armormenshealth at gmail.com. We'll be right back with the Armor Men's Health Hour. 